Forecasting for the future is hard, but predicting an election can be even harder. But pollsters don't just look at who will win, but what kinds of people will vote for one party or another and try to see how the demographics of voters are shifting. John Black is a political demographer and former Labor senator from Queensland and says he's looking at a new emerging demographic that could tip the New South Wales election. He's our guest this morning. John Black, welcome back to Breakfast. Yeah, thank you, PK. Good to talk to you again. You've spoken about the aspirational left who could significantly impact the upcoming election in New South Wales. So who are you talking about when you coin a term like that? Who are the aspirational left? Well, we, we came across them when we uh, had a look at all of the Electoral Commission data for, for preferences after the last election. They recast all of the votes to find out you know, where the preferences came from. And then we had a new census at the same time. So we were doing a, a deep dive into all the data to redo all of our stereotypes. So who are we talking about? We're talking about people in in three of our stereotypes and one of our new ones. So so firstly, you've got the younger voters, the people who are coming of age, they're in their 20s and they're voting for the Greens and they're pretty enthusiastic about it, highly mobile, typically university students. Then you've got a sort of a swinging voter group, which is a little bit older. They're moving out into the burbs. They're starting to have kids. They're worrying about debt and buying a house and that sort of thing. And added to those, now we have waves of, of Asian immigrants, immigration who came to Australia from countries like you know, China and India and the Philippines uh, since uh, 2001. Now, there's been big waves of these, and migrants now make up more than half of the, the new population growth in Australia. So it's a big and significant group. And then you've got a slightly older group, which is really interesting. They're the Teals. And you recall, you know, during the last election, we talked about them. They were in their, their late 40s and their early 50s. Now, they traditionally voted for the coalition, but, but this time, last time at the federal election, they split off from the Liberals, voted for the Teals. But what was hidden in all the figures, PK, was that a lot of them then voted Labor after that before they went back to the coalition. So what you've got is a drift away uh, from the major parties uh, in, in those age groups, particularly from the, from the coalition, but you've got a drift going back the other way from older voters. Uh, these are sort of older Australian voters are uh, typically less well-paid, who are tending to vote now for Palmer United or Pauline Hanson, and they're living in more safe Labor electorates. So far, they're not tipping the balance in seats, but they may well do so. So what are the implications for New South Wales? I think the implications are that there's an increasing likelihood that, that neither of the major parties, you know, when they're pulling in votes in the 30% range, are going to win a majority of seats. Well, that's almost what happened at the federal level, PK. So you're going to see an interesting coalition uh, of people who represent independents and Greens and so on right across the board who are going to determine who, who runs the country. So this, the yeah, these four categories, really fascinating. I want to just, if I can, you know, dig a bit deeper on this, this one. I just wrote it down. The waves of Asian immigration, India, China since 2001. What is that yep. group doing politically, which is interesting and is disrupting uh, politics? Well, well, typically they come in um, as students. That's the majority of them are coming in as students. Is what you know um, Peter Costello called soft visa sales. I come in and study, 
go to university and then they'll they'll typically either be married or engaged or whatever and they'll marry somebody from this from a similar background they meet at university but 10 years after that you know we find them out in the burbs uh and they're voting for the first time and they're voting left and you know who are they they're they're Chinese migrants, there's I think more than half a million of those since 2001. There's about 600,000 Indian migrants in that group. And the Filipinos are an emerging group that's coming in behind them. So where we're finding them, we're finding them in the the middle class seats, we're finding them in swinging voter seats, and we're finding them in in wealthier seats when they become more established. And they're not voting Uh, coalition is what you're saying? Oh, hell no. No, they're not. Now, you know, is that a transitional thing? Well, you know, they did it in 2019 as well as 2022. I went back and had a closer look, uh, you know, dissecting all the entrails of this because of, I'm embarrassed to admit I've been doing this for 50 years, PK, so I've got a bit of a knowledge as to what normally happens. So, yeah, they, it, they're, 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 they're drifting that way. Uh, and I, I, given the scale of this change, PK, I, I don't think it's a a temporary thing. Uh, and I think you know, it's a bit of a warning sign for the coalition uh, to pick more candidates like like the one they've in fact picked for Aston. So, I, I mean, I think they're getting the message. Uh, yes, yes. You just mentioned Aston um, and they have obviously picked a more diverse or also female candidate. Um, the the Labor Party in New South Wales aren't particularly diverse either. Just 17 out of their current no. 50 elected members are women, I think, and, and just a handful oh, yeah. are from diverse backgrounds, a bit different to the federal scene, I think. <laughs> Could that see them oh, yeah. lose some of this aspirational <laughs> lift? Uh, look, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, look, the, the New South Wales you know, Labor machine traditionally has had problems with democracy um, and, you know, occasionally... Uh, you, if you go up to the big house, so so yes, there have been uh, problems. Which you know, as a as a as somebody's been knocking around politics for fifty years and a former member of the National ALP executive, you know, we've had to deal with problems in both New South Wales and Victoria over an extended period of time for this sort of thing. So, yeah, look, the New South Wales um, State Labor Party doesn't have the same um, sort of uh, diverse image, if you like, which would appeal to this group as, as did the Federal Labor Party. No, that's that's right. So it's going to be a bit tougher for them. Mm. Still, they're pulling in a lot of primary votes, PK. But look, you've got to remember that at the last federal election, the ALP, I just did the sums here, the ALP got about 48% of the primary votes and the Liberals got about you know, 52. So, so you know, the, the that's just of those two parties. The Liberals won. But you know, the ALP just came home with a wet sail on the preferences. So, you know, the, it's it's really hard to pick because if your primary vote goes up sufficiently, then you just knock out the major parties. And and I think that's likely to happen in a number of seats in New South Wales and probably sufficient uh, to make it very difficult for either party to form a majority. Very interesting. So there's, there are several teal candidates that are running in New South Wales. We know they saw big success in the federal poll, but they failed to win any spots in the Victorian election last year. How do you see their chances in New South Wales? Well, I think there's three. I haven't had a close look at it like I did with the federal ones, BK, but uh, happy to do so. But but uh, I understand there's about three seats there where they've got a realistic chance. Uh, there's also an established group in New South Wales of independents you know, built around a number of issues, um, mainly in, in the city, uh, and and to do with you know, lifestyle and, and, and anti-corruption and that sort of thing. So uh, so, you know, there's a, there's a core of independence. You've also got the independence on the right, you know, the shooters and fishers and, and uh, you know, whatever else they get up to. 
So, yeah, so you've got a tradition of independence. You know, I, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are about three or so uh, quasi-teals came through the ruck. I mean, the votes for the teals on that north side of town was pretty significant. It's mm. unlikely not to be represented in the state parliament, especially when both parties, you know, put up, you know, old white guys, basically. Yeah. Look, there was a really interesting column written yesterday by journalist Nikki Saver in the Nine Papers where she she talked about the, the Liberals failing to heed the message of the last election. She cited the voice to Parliament debate as being part of that. But obviously the last election was pretty a shocking result for them, losing those teal seats particularly. The current strategy you see them taking, do you think they're addressing some of these uh, issues in the electorate, these demographic shifts you talk about? The coalition, you mean? Yeah, well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, the Labor Party is, has been insulating itself against this sort of change because it's had affirmative action and, and, and it's been getting its share of professional women, which is the other the other big driver behind this new group and also behind the Teals and behind the defections from the Liberals. You know, I think I think the Labor Party's been relatively insulated from this. But with the Liberals it's a real culture shock. Uh, this this group has been you know disparaged for years by Liberals as being doctors' wives, you know. Well now you've got the doctors' wives and all the recent migrants to Australia, and you know if migrants are making up fifty percent of our population growth, PK, well, they're going to be a pretty influential group in a in a decade or two, and they mm. already are. Mm. So yeah, I, look, I don't think they have. You know, the the ALP went through a lot of turmoil in the late sixties onwards, and and it still does every now and again, and and it's got a strong national organisation. I've been on it. I know how it works. It's brutal. Uh, and and it, it can clean up and address these problems. I don't think the Liberal Party has that strong central structure. So it, it does have a real problem. And there's a lot of old white guys in there, you know, like me, I guess, who are just, uh, well, unlike me, they're in denial. Uh, yeah, and, and but hopefully they, they do make the adjustment. Okay, because if they don't, we're going to have a pretty weak opposition for the, for the next uh, two elections. John Black, always always uh, good to pick your brain. Thank you for, for your, your, as you say, 50-year experience brain. I appreciate your time. Thank <laughs> you. embarrassed about it. Don't be embarrassed. <laughs> Proud is what you should be. John Black, political demographer and former Labor senator for Queensland. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.